Ladies and gents, welcome back to uh, another Engineers podcast. This is your host, Elliot Kipling speaking. Today, I'm joined by VP of Engineering, Derek Lackin at Tarabut Gateway. We've got some really interesting challenges, again, that we're going to explore in a different part of the world. So we're going to be talking about compliance challenges across MENA regions. We're going to be talking about cloud service providers in MENA regions and guaranteeing availability of some of those and some really interesting intricacies that are in there um, around engineering and also compliance. Derek, thanks for coming to join us. Do you want to kick us off into your background and who Taraba are? Yeah, for sure. So hi, Elliot. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. Really looking forward to uh, to the conversation. Uh, so yeah, so I'm Derek Lakin, uh, our VP of Engineering. Um, I joined Tarabit Gateway or TG. So if I say TG throughout this, uh, uh, just so you know what that is. Um, I joined TG back in November last year. Uh, I previously worked at kind of a mixture of um, of big tech. So I worked at Meta and I worked at, uh, at Skype and Microsoft. Um, but also at startups um, like Culture Trip, um, and then even mid-stage companies like Skyscanner. So I've got quite a broad range of experience, uh, different sectors, different stages of, uh, of of the journey. My role at TG is all about supporting the engineering organisation. Um, it's about setting that high-level direction, um, helping evolve kind of the right level of practices and processes for like what the company needs now. Um, I support a team of engineering managers who look after our teams who are based in uh, here in the UK, but also in Bahrain and Dubai. Um, but then I also play uh, an important role in kind of helping the company's like cultural evolution as well. So I'm working cross-functionally with my kind of peers and colleagues on, on that side of things as we grow and, and evolve as well. So to your question, like who are TG? Well, TG are, are an open banking platform. Uh, and we operate in the MENA region. Um, our platform is is actually two-sided. We're playing two sides of the platform. Um, on the one side, we kind of help solve the data sharing challenges for banks. So we're helping those banks share and monetize their data, which we do by kind of providing compliant APIs in line with the regulatory standards. Um, you know, banks have quite rich data stores, but often lack the technical skills and resources. So we partner with them to enable them to utilize, kind of expose and, and monetize their data. We go beyond the pure compliance bit as well to explore new business models through data monetization and, and premium APIs. Um, and then on the other side, we help fintechs and merchants scale their products across the region. So, you know, fintechs, merchants, other new entrants face quite high fragmentation, uh, varying sort of API standards and, and ongoing revisions to regional data sharing regulations. Um, interchange fees can be quite high. Settlement times are very long. Um, the customer journey can be quite kind of frictional, um, which increases the overall kind of cost of providing payment solutions. Um, and then the sheer number of API integrations, as well as the high cost of enabling payments, make it kind of prohibitively expensive for a fintech or a merchant to scale their service across the region. Um, we solve that through a, a single universal API. Um, in practical terms, that looks like a couple of core products. One is around connecting to bank accounts. So as the end user, you're in control of giving consent for an app to connect to just the banks that you select. 
That enables you to aggregate your bank accounts together, fetch and combine your transaction history, and gives a more kind of complete picture of your overall finances. These are what we call account information services or AIS. Um, a really good example of that, and actually I'm a relatively recent uh, user um, in the UK, which you might be familiar with, is an app called Snoop. Um, that enables you to connect to like all your different bank accounts, credit cards, and all the rest of it. And it gives you great advice and insight around like you can make a deal here, you can get a saving there. Um, you know, here's how best to get more out of your money. Um, and then the second kind of core product then is that ability to make immediate payments at a lower cost to the end user, typically free actually. Um, and these are payment information services. So if you think of like, well-established products like TransferWise or Wise as they are now, services like Revolut, um, they're using payment information services for you to be able to top up your account or transfer money um, directly from your bank account, uh, from the bank account that you choose. And then on top of that, we've built a suite of kind of insights features as well, uh, which includes things like transaction categorization um, and salary identification for, for like income verification. Okay. Gateway in its truest sense, then, if, if people actually want to expand some of their services to the MENA regions, it really feels as if you've got that nailed and your suite of products offers that to fintechs and banks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a real challenge to the region because of the way in which the regulations are done um, in taking a product from, uh, you know, from somewhere like EMEA um, and taking that to the region, uh, getting yourself regulated, uh, you know, getting in with the regulators, getting in in a certain region is a really high bar and high barrier to, to cross. Um, within region, they're, they're typically looking for people who are, um, you know, founded in region and established in region. So some of the big players are finding it really difficult to get in. We're 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 there already, uh, and we've got the the services that uh, banks and and fintechs need. Let's break some of that down then, because obviously the the region we've spoken about this is attracting quite a lot of interest at the moment. There's technological advancements that we're going to talk about with cloud in handful of moments but let's break down some of those challenges both engineering and compliance and the barriers to entry that banks and fintechs will often find in both of those parts can we explore those yeah absolutely so when it comes to, to new regions so um so we're live in saudi arabia already we're live in bahrain the next region for us will be the united arab emirates the uae um, but if we back up slightly and kind of look at the broader picture um, to kind of you know, expand on what I was saying before, like the, the banking landscape in MENA is, is moving fast, right? right? Regulators are really racing to kind of catalyze the ecosystem. Banks are kind of building ahead of those standards that are coming into effect. Fintechs are kind of hungry for this kind of capability. There's a wave of, of unicorns coming that are building some yeah, amazing products and services uh, across the region. Um, for a long time, the banking sector in the region has been kind of quite conservative, quite closed off, but that's changing really, really fast. Um, you know, innovation, uh, understanding the opportunity ahead for open banking, like that's a key agenda item for the regulators in the region. And there's really a, a race to be kind of first to cross the line um, in, the, in the various countries. And the opportunity is huge, right? Like the population over there in, within MENA, about 550 million people. 
um, yeah, the wow. business environment is really ready to embrace new technologies. You know, if you've ever been to somewhere like Dubai, you know, that's a that's a leading edge, modern, vibrant city that I think really reflects the the mindset and, and nature out in the region. So there's that kind of perfect storm, that perfect recipe brewing with that combination of actually quite a young population, one of the highest mm. levels of internet penetration globally. It's something like 90% smartphone penetration and 5G connectivity. That opportunity wow. is massive there to kind of leapfrog uh, over adoption rates that we've seen um, here in the, in the UK and, and Europe. So then more specifically about TG then, you know, we were actually founded in Bahrain. That's what I'm saying. You've got to be established within yeah. region to have credibility and, and an opportunity to, to play, right? Um, we've captured most of the market by providing the compliance solution for most of the kind of top tier banks in Bahrain who launched a payment service as well. We have something like 94% coverage um, in, in Bahrain. Um, in Bahrain, so thinking more on the uh, engineering side of things, so we were able to use uh, Amazon's AWS as our cloud service provider. So that was where we, we started our journey. Um, and we've you know, enjoyed the benefits that working with such a mature and kind of progressive uh, company brings. Um, the second market that we entered then was Saudi Arabia. Um, of the five banks that are already licensed by the regulator, uh, SAMA, um, we actually provided the compliance solution for the first three of them. Um, now, unfortunately, AWS don't actually have a presence in Saudi Arabia. Um, maybe that's a yet, who knows? Um, so we had to kind of evolve our solution into a multi-cloud model. Now, Oracle's OCI is the most progressive, shall we say, evolved uh, provider in the region. So we partnered with them um, because of they, you know, they do have uh, good kind of platform as, as a service, infrastructure as a service kind of capabilities. Um, they already have a data center in Jeddah, which is where we operate. Um, but they're actually increasing their presence in the region uh, massively. They, they have another data center already in, under construction as part of the NEON project. Um, that should be finished by the end of the year. Um, and that's part of a $1.5 billion investment that they're making across the region, um, which will also then see a third data center in Riyadh and then uh, you know, upgrades to their existing. Data center as well. Yeah. If we were to roll back a couple of moments, mm. it'd be good to understand from your experience what are some of the technology or cloud limitations that the region has at the moment? And it'd be good to understand a little bit more about your offering across multiple countries and your multi cloud offering um, in that regard across multiple countries. Yeah, absolutely. So the um, so say we we adapted what we have um, in uh, I think countries that are right around now. What we have in Bahrain, we we adapted that for for OCI. Um, we were able to do that by you know, say following that kind of infrastructure as a code as code um, kind of model. Um, we have also started to look at the United Arab Emirates, which I say was the next region for us. Um, yeah. We're back to AWS for that. We've been able to reuse something like kind of 60 to 70% of, uh, of what we had before. Um, what, we, what we have from a multi-cloud perspective, so in each region, we have two physically separate compartments um, using literally different cloud accounts. 
uh, one serves the bank integrations part, and then one serves uh, our kind of core product services. Um, each of those forms its own network that we can connect to via VPN um, to kind of manage and deploy our applications and services. Um, like I say, literally almost almost everything is set up using infrastructure as code, specifically kind of Terraform yeah. and, and Helm, um, so that we can kind of deploy, configure, reconfigure everything we need to via code deployment, just triggered from a pull request in, in GitHub. Uh, the main exception there, actually two main exceptions. One is our Fortinet firewall, which is still manual, but we're working on that. The other is Postgres, which is also a managed service at the moment, but we're looking at how we uh, integrate that in our next region. Um, so like a lot of big companies, we're using Kubernetes to manage our clusters. That again is provided as a managed service. Um, yep. If you've ever tried to set up Kubernetes from scratch, but it's hard work, getting that as a managed service definitely gets you over a, a lot of the hurdles <laughs> there, uh, which is good. Um, and then so within each of those compartments in each region, um, we have different environments. So we have a sandbox environment, which actually enables uh, nice. fintechs and banks to come along and test out their services um, against a mocked bank. So you can go along to our developer portal, you can create an account, you get credentials, and you can start playing around in the sandbox environment straight away. We also have environments for kind of testing and, and then obviously our production environment as well. Um, we deploy our applications and services in slightly different ways between regions. And that's been one of our challenges, right? Like you do something one way uh, first to get you started, then you realize all the things that you did wrong and you improve on that the second time round, And then you go, you know what? We still did some things wrong that time. We need to do it the third time round. Um, so then, you know, that's one of the things that we need to work on in terms of like unifying our approach because there's, there's unnecessary kind of cognitive load um, that we'd like to remove to kind of make developers' lives uh, as easy as possible. Right? Like our account information service is exactly the same in all three regions. As a developer making a change to that, you don't want to have mm. to do three different things to get it in three different regions. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, we relatively recently introduced Datadog for application monitoring. When I say relatively recently, like that was mm, late last year, I think. Um, and we're rapidly increasing our coverage of that we should soon be able to kind of retire our previous kind of Prometheus and Kibana-based uh, solution. And that gives us a single way and a single place to measure and yeah. monitor our services, set up alerts, define and monitor our SLOs and SLAs, um, and then further improve our ability to you know, kind of quickly identify, manage, and, and resolve um, incidents. Um, so with the UAE, like I said, we're back to AWS uh, in the UAE. Um, like I said, we're, we're reusing about 60, 70% of what we've done before. Um, we've already managed to completely stand up that environment, deploy our applications and, and services, um, and then run a, a live disaster recovery exercise that involved that kind of automatic failover to a second region um, and then failing back to the uh, original region. So that, that kind of multi-cloud part has been a, a lot of the... The, the challenge, you know, how to manage it, how to provision it. Um, I feel like we've, I wouldn't say nailed it, but like I feel like we're doing pretty good at that. Uh, we're getting better each time we do it. Um, plenty of other challenges in the in the region as well, though. Yeah, we're going to touch on the compliance part and thinking about uh, you talking about reusability and reusing 60, 70% of some of your services. Does that present its own challenge from country to country with maybe uh, different data rules, as in you can only have certain data in a certain country or you can only maybe do 
a specific call or service in a certain country. Does that present its own challenges, do you find? It, it, it has been its own challenge, yeah. The, the main part of the challenge region to region from a, from a cloud perspective has been like, who, who are the providers? Who can we, who yeah. can we work with to, to get our services hosted and provided? Um, so developing that multi-cloud model was, was a big part of the challenge. Moving into another new region, you know, whatever whatever region comes next after the UAE, you know, may, maybe Azure are already a big player there, or maybe it's GCP, or, or maybe it's not, and then we need to work closely with a you know with an independent cloud service provider. Um, as long as we can stand up Kubernetes, even if we have to establish it ourselves, um, as long as we can you know use Terraform to um, to configure things. We, we can pretty much work with anyone. Um, so that that should be okay, he, he says bravely. Um, it, from a data perspective, yeah, the, the, the data residency rules uh, are, are have what made things quite challenging. Um, you know, in the absence of a second data region in a particular location, for example, you can't just pick a region in a you know, cloud region uh, off off soil, uh, everything has to stay on soil. So we've had to get a bit creative with the way we do disaster recovery, for example, and again work with a local provider um, to set up that that kind of service uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, but the data regulations themselves, yeah, as a as a strongly regulated industry, you know, with a lot of effort going into our kind of infosec activities and so on. Um, the actual data regulations themselves aren't too, uh, haven't been too problematic for us. It's that kind of data residency on soil that's been the big challenge there. Understood. And you spoke about entering Saudi Arabia. Could you talk to us about that experience of de- defining new compliance in a new country? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that there are um, that there are a number of challenges that I think come with with open banking in in general. Um, you know, the regional differences we we talked about solved that with kind of PaaS and, and infrastructure as a code. Um, you know, using the right technology, refine that approach, iterate, get better. Um, but I think pace has actually been one of the challenges, right? Like TG were. Okay. The first to graduate, the central bank of Bahrain, the CBB, the first to graduate from their regulatory sandbox. Um, the draft rules were only launched in 2018. The banks were mandated to implement those APIs by June 2019. Um, after that initial implementation feedback from the market, um, the CBB formed a committee, which is now the, the Bahrain Open Banking Framework. Um, and we participate in that committee along with other banks and, and the regulator to kind of execute on a use case driven rollout. That led to a second iteration where we were incorporating capabilities like variable recurring payments. So think like direct debit, for example, um, like that enables you to kind of sweep money between accounts as well. Um, there's a, like a real kind of fast follow of the UK standards. Um, so Bahrain's now moving to release an open finance framework and we're working very closely with the CBB during the sandbox phase on that. Um, in Saudi Arabia, they issued their open banking policy in early 2021. Um, that ties into their Vision 2030 program. Um, you know, they have lofty goals to achieve there. You know, that's things like 70% cashless transactions by 2030. Um, that's you know, it's a it's a big goal and actually quite a short time frame when you think, generally speaking, how slow moving 
the financial industry is, right? Um, mm. But as the regulators learn from working with banks and providers, they adapt and evolve their regulations. And we need to keep on top of those to support both our enterprise and our, our fintech customers. So tight deadlines, yeah. evolving requirements, uh, along with customers that, you know, let's be frank, can be relatively new to more progressive technology approaches, um, along with tight regulatory demands from a security perspective. Like that makes for, for quite a demanding operational challenge. Um, and we've alluded to it a, a few times, right? Like regulation standards, like that's one of the other main challenges when it comes to open banking, particularly when you think about operating in multiple regions. Yeah, If you're set up in the UK, you've only got the OBIE to worry about. Uh, when you're operating in Bahrain, um, Saudi Arabia and UAE, that's three different standards and they're all slightly different. Um, yeah. When they get started, we're seeing regulators start with almost a copy and paste of the UK specification. Um, wow. That's seen as the, as the leading standard. Um, they'll then make some regional customizations to it, which will require us to uh, adapt and extend accordingly. And in fact, like during development, during integration, we'll typically get a bank up and running on the UK spec because that gets them you know, a long way there. Um, and then we'll migrate them to the local spec afterwards, especially when the spec's in draft form. So when we were working with the banks in um, in Saudi Arabia, like getting them up to the UK spec while we waited for um, SAMA to finalise the the local spec uh, was necessary in order to get you know get the get the machine turning uh, and get everybody close enough to be able to cross the line uh, in in time. So each of these banks expose their APIs to meet the standards. Um, Although, as with any standard, you know, some fields are required, some fields are optional. Um, so it's not always the same from bank to bank, uh, bank to bank. So we've built our own middleware that acts as the interface between all of the banks and then anyone connecting through our, our APIs. So it understands what the different standards are that are used in each region. It understands the nuances of each bank. Um, and then we transform that into our own Kind of normalized standard or normalized format um, which we then expose uniformly to fintechs or, or other banks that connect through our services um, we've done some great work like implementing some automation on that so we can quickly kind of test a new bank when they join the ecosystem we can then feed back to them like where there might be errors or we can kind of give them the green light to kind of progress with their implementation for production deployment when they when they meet uh, all the other requirements there's there's some really interesting operational challenges there. Um, talking about approvals, setting standards from the UK, uh, delivery times. There's also some really good insights into uh, the day to day of TG and actually the core business of what you do. W what would you say are some of the engineering challenges that you often find? You know, building parts of TG around compliance or around regulation? Yeah, good question. Um, th those, the, the, the kind of bigger elements of that challenge, I think we're actually dealing with those differences in standards, right? And that's where that, that's where that middleware yeah. really, really comes into its, its strength. And we've iterated on that to a point now well, they probably won't thank me for saying it, but like the team have almost automated themselves out of a job, right? Like the, the process of testing a new bank is, is pretty quick now. Like they send, the, the bank will send us a postman collection 
we run a bunch of automated tests on it and we can send them back a report that either says yes or no. Um, like it's minimal human intervention now. Um, the, the way in which they've set things up enables us to actually implement a new bank relatively simply and, and quickly. We have, a, we have a few components. Um, you know, there's a connector and transformer for anything specific to a bank, adapt that to our format, including you know, what kind of required headers that the, the bank might have. Um, and then a, a standing naming, standard naming convention kind of enables us to kind of load these components on demand. We can fall back to a regional one if there's nothing custom for a bank and, and fall back to a standards-based component where it's needed as well. Um, there's a second component that handles the authentication part. That's predominantly JWT. Um, each bank's definition of what the claims are is is unique. So there's there's usually something specific for a bank there. Um, and then we're on to fairly simple kind of configuration changes for consent management, you know, redirect URI, um, a bit of DNS changes, um, and, and it's up and running. Um, and that's now a, uh, it's a stateless service. It scales easily through Kubernetes, the single service that serves all banks in the same region, um, but with isolation on a bank by bank basis, actually using a separate HTTP client as its own thread pool, um, which means that like if one, bank goes down or there's a problem with one bank it doesn't take everybody down at the same time um we put some circuit breakers in place as well so that you know we don't end up bombarding a, an individual bank so like that one Sorry. like that feels like our, our real strength our real usp um in in a kind of applying that uniform kind of standard uh, across the way there um other challenges that we faced along the way from an engineering perspective I think the way we organize ourselves actually was a key part of, of getting ourselves um, okay. into a more successful place and, and just getting better at doing delivery. Um, we initially you know, had a bunch of people sat around a few desks in Bahrain. Uh, they'd be talking direct to a bank. They'd get a phone call. They'd get a WhatsApp message. You know, someone would get a message from someone somewhere, and then all of a sudden, you were doing something completely different. Like it was, it was proper startup, like really scrappy. Mm. Um, we have since evolved into a more you know, streamlined teams-based approach. Uh, we have a team that focuses entirely on working directly with the banks, so they understand bank systems, bank yep. APIs, um, and then you know, understand how to get them live. Uh, the consent portals, the DNS changes, all of that kind of stuff that enables them to actually expose their standards-based uh, APIs. Uh, we have this team that deal with um, connecting across all of the banks. So whether we provide the compliance yeah. solution or whether they've done it themselves, like they, they provide all of that connectivity. We have a mobile team who provide an SDK for the banks, which enables them to build their own mobile app it again, it includes the consent journey so that users can authenticate themselves, uh, get access to their details uh, from the bank's mobile app. Um, and then we have these streamlined teams around you know, our account service, uh, our payment service, um, the insights team. Um, and then we have a, a, a platform team, uh, infrastructure slash foundation slash platform team. Like that's one of the pieces that's actually evolving for us. Um, we yeah, we've we've done the same thing a few times now. Uh, yep. We've incorporated uh, some agile thinking into our ways of working, uh, improving the ways of working within the individual teams. Now we need to move more into a more like a you build it, you run it type model where nice. teams are much more 
uh, empowered and autonomous and have you know the keys to their own part of the kingdom um, and then we can evolve that platform team in, into a much you know, more truly kind of platform engineering kind of a role where they can help accelerate uh, all the other teams um, and focus on you know, the foundational kind of infrastructure piece um, at large, working on reducing that complexity, um, simplifying things, unifying our approaches across the board. Yeah, from what I hear from you, the interoperability, the communication, it feels as if uh, you guys and girls as a group have got a lot slicker, but also thinking about the future and thinking about a better developer experience, thinking about platform engineering and just improving what you currently have um, is probably a smart way to ensure that you stay speedy. You know, that that feels as if it's one of those things that has really got TG to where it needs to be, speed of delivery and being agile. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, we've taken an approach of of using um, like de- delivery coaches focused on an individual team to help them really focus on on delivery, um, and then agile coaches who kind of drop in and out of teams on yeah. on individual uh, kind of engagements on a on an as needed basis. So if a team is newly formed or like the team members have changed a lot recently, uh, an agile coach might drop in, help them with their ways of working, get aligned on. You know, how the team uh, interact with their neighboring teams, how they get stuff done, how they move stuff across the board. Um, and that's really helped. That's really helped to keep engagement up. It's really helped um, us to continue to, to push stuff across the line. Um, and, and it gives us now the space, um, especially with some of the key hires that we've made uh, more recently. As one of my uh, colleagues hired almost exactly at the same time as mine, um, uh, Osama, he, he's our... Uh, head of VP of uh, customer success, I think it is. So we're really engaged on like making sure that our end customers are really happy as well. So really right. digging deep into like, what does our incident management process look like? What does our support process look like? How does stuff yeah. go from what a bank needs to the team that needs to do it and then delivered back to the customer? Um, yeah. Yeah, when the stuff hits the fan, did we find out about it first or did a customer tell us about it first? And, and if, if so, why? Uh, what do we need to do to improve that? And this is, this is where things like Datadog really come into play, right? Like we're really making our approach to understanding our own system, improving our own observability so that we're the yeah. ones who know first when something's gone wrong so that we can, A, we can keep our uptime as high as possible, but B, we can, you know, we can exude confidence to our customers that, yeah, we do know what we're doing. Um, and that yeah, we're a, we're a strong partner for them, and that we really care about them and their success. And that's what your customers want, right? You know, especially when we're talking about open banking, fintechs, or banking generally, uh, it's it's super critical. It it does make me wonder, with you know the region population of five hundred and fifty million people, it seems as if you've been able to amass pretty significant market share in some of those areas but now they're making technology advancements with vision 2030 and it's an ambitious goal and you know public cloud offerings are a lot more available than they were a number of years back to my knowledge i wonder where the region would be if this was maybe done 
a couple of years sooner. And I can't help but think, you know, maybe compliance or regulation maybe contributed some of that in previous times. But it's really interesting to see where that part of the world is moving and how quick it's moving with the level of investment that's being put into it. Yeah, no, absolutely for sure. I mean that that region is is changing uh, so fast. You know, I've, um, actually, uh, weird anecdote, but I I I, I run past this uh, old chap in the park uh, most mornings, and and I stopped and had a chat with him one day. Uh, he was commenting on me being late, although I actually I think he was early, uh, and I yeah, and and that I hadn't been around the week before, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was in Dubai, and he was like, oh, I used to work in Dubai a lot. You know, back in the 60s and 70s he said i remember when it was just a tent city um yeah and you know here we are now you look at dubai and my goodness look at that look at that skyline look how much uh yep. effort has been poured into that city and, and how much money has been poured into it as well and it's yeah it's, it's really progressive it's really changing fast um and i think having having the ambitions of things like vision 2030 really really make a difference in in those regions you know really um really kind of broad open minding uh, open minded thinking of of things like you know the neon project you know what a crazy yeah. idea right like let's build a whole city from scratch um and it's going to be the most advanced most technologically capable most futuristic city we can think of and it's like well it's not just a pipe dream they're really building it right and it's that kind of vision that is really catalyzing um massive change really quickly in the region yeah it really is it really is the neon project's fascinating you know it's it's a side note but with the amount of money you'd only have to open up a paper or news outlet at the moment where you know saudi arabia are investing right now you know they they are investing an awful lot everywhere so it'll be really interesting to see how this continues to progress but also tg's movement in the region and you know, obviously the uptake now of three countries and just developing that and evolving. And no doubt with everything that you've said on the podcast a little bit earlier, with the interoperability, the culture in the teams, ways of working, communication, you're much better set up to be able to onboard people at speed. Yeah, and give absolutely. customers a really good I mean, experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've we've yet to see what the regulations will look like for the UAE. Uh, yeah, we don't really okay. know what surprises okay. or differences or similarities we can expect compared to other regions that we've launched in uh, already. But um, uh, yeah, we can at least return to AWS for that one, so that's that's fine. Um, uh, but but yeah, like it's yeah, it's it's an exciting time. We're we're really looking forward to it, and you know, who who knows what the what, what the next region uh, will look like or what the next uh, challenge is going to be. But yeah, I feel like we've, we, we've matured well to a point where I think we can adapt to um, yeah, these, these new, new directions or new changes uh, pretty well. Um, I think we've, we've built up a really good, solid reputation. Like I said, in, in K, yeah. you have three of the first three of the five banks that are currently live um, and regulated by SAMA. Uh, all worked uh, partnered with us in order to get there so i think we're yeah we've built up the, the reputation that will really help us great uh continue to, to thrive and succeed in the region good so uh, a really successful or seemingly successful future on the horizon w what does that mean for 
business growth or technology team growth that people can be aware of that are listening to the podcast? Yeah, I mean, we went through a big growth spurt in 2022. So last year, we yep. had a lot of expansion of our of our UK and, and Dubai-based teams predominantly. Um, we've just raised our Series A. Uh, that was a nice awesome. $35 million, which, was, uh, which is good. I think, and to be honest, I think bucking the trend of, um, you know, early stage investment, actually globally, not just in the region. So I think that's a good... Uh, a good reflection of the confidence that uh, investors have in in us and the direction we're we're taking. Um, we're essentially settling into our stride at the moment. Um, you know, focusing on scale from a technology perspective. The products that we have already are reasonably well established. What we need to do is ensure that we can cope with the coming uh, volume. Because obviously, when yeah, when all these banks become regulated in a new region, there isn't suddenly. Yeah, millions of people starting to use the services. It will take time to to get there. So we will uh, you know, develop and adapt our services to kind of meet uh, meet that incoming um, volume. Um, and then yeah, targeting the UAE as our next market, we will uh, adapt to whatever direction the regulations change, uh, and we can yeah we can work closely uh, with banks and fintechs to to get them into the, the the ecosystem. There, we do still have a few roles here and there. Uh, you can yep. find them in the career section on uh, tarabotgateway.com if you're interested. Good. Well, stick that below for everyone. Uh, I think it's quite clear that th- this is definitely one to watch, see how the business evolves. And, you know, from past times of speaking to you, if you're listening and you are in the software engineering space or data engineering space or looking to explore it, you should definitely set some alerts up for these guys and girls because they seemingly will go and have a really successful future and no doubt continue to evolve in the region and honestly it's uh, an untapped market as you can see and you know they're exploring the opportunity of how to continue to evolve some of their market share so it would be an exciting time to go and join the business derek thank you for come to join us share with us um, some of the complexities around you know moving into MENA regions and you know challenges around cloud so a big thank you and you know no doubt we'll be chatting at some point hopefully on the podcast um, in 12 18 months seeing where the business is and where you've evolved we'll definitely do a part two well, th- that would be fantastic. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on, Elliot. I've really enjoyed the, the conversation. Um, and yeah, I very much look, look forward to, to part two. Good. And for all of the links that I pointed to below, they'll be in the description. And for everyone listening, as always, like, share, subscribe to this and definitely share with some of your friends and also recommend to us um, people that you want to hear on the pod. And a big thanks from all of us. Awesome. Thanks, Elliot. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, Massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. 
These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks guys.